0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Ray Blankenship lived in Andover, Ohio. Ray Blankenship, you may have heard his name one very stormy Sunday, a summer morning in Andover, Ohio, back in 1988, Ray Blankenship got up and was uh, cooking himself breakfast. When he looked out his kitchen window, which faced uh, his front yard, where there in the town where he lived, there was this uh, a gully between the his yard and the road that was washing down toward a culvert, a city culvert. And the floods from that storm were such an impact that he could see the water rushing with rapids, like a large creek going down that ditch toward the city culvert. And as he was cooking his breakfast, looking out the window, he saw a little girl about... uh, looked to be about maybe five years old, and she was being washed down that ditch toward the culvert. And Ray Blankenship, without even uh, turning the eye off on his stove, went rushing out into the uh, pouring rain and running down, uh, trying to catch up with that girl as she's been washed down that ditch, To try to rescue her and finally he catches up to her almost out of breath himself and he dives into that ditch. And he has some trouble getting hold of the girl and finally about five feet before the culvert he was able to grab hold of her hand with his right hand and reach out and he grabbed hold of something that was protruding out from the ground. He doesn't even remember what it was. And in his mind, he was thinking, if I can just hold on to this little girl and hold on to whatever this is protruding out of the ground long enough, somebody's going to see us and they're going to come to help us. Because he was getting out of strength by this time. But somehow, by the time 911 rescuers came to where he was, he had managed to pull the girl up to safety. And they were both laying on the side of that ditch, by the side of the road, out of breath and in shock. They had to be treated for shock. But he saved the life of that little girl. In the spring of 1989, the following spring, he was awarded the Coast Guard Silver Life-Saving Medal for rescuing that little girl. Now, the kicker to this whole thing is Ray Blankenship could not swim. He was unable to swim. And yet jumped in that rushing water to rescue this little five-year-old girl. Do you know, I know you do, do you know courage when you see it? Passage in Acts chapter 4 centers around Peter and John, two of the most uh, vocal disciples of the Lord Jesus, two of the leading disciples of the Lord Jesus, and they have just healed by the power of God's Spirit. They've just healed a man of a health condition that he'd had for over 40 years. In Acts chapter 4 brings us into the situation after they've healed this man and some folks are very unhappy with Peter and John for healing this man. Verse 1, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Did you notice that in the number of men who believed? In those days, they only counted men. So the uh, 5,000 men, there were also ladies who believed and children who believed. There's no telling how many thousands of people believed. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin... And then conferred together, what are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called him in again and commanded them not to speak or teach it all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you? Or to him, you be the judges as for us, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened for the man who had miraculous, who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Did you hear verse 13 When they saw the courage of Peter and John, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they were astonished. Let me ask you this question. What do you think about when you think of the word courage? What do you think about? When I think of examples of courage, which is when I think of the word courage, in my mind, pictures of people who have been courageous in history come to my mind. And just a few of those people I think about are, are these. For instance, I think of Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was a former slave in the United States during the 1840s, 50s and 60s, but she escaped slavery. And she started an underground railroad in the face of all kinds of danger in which she smuggled African-American slaves to freedom. She did it uh, at the jeopardy of her own life. That's courage to me. When I think of courage, I think about Rosa Parks. Getting on that bus that day and having a white man come on the bus and tell her that she needed to move and go to the back of the bus and she refused. That, to me, is courage. When I think of courage, I think of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. standing up for equal rights at a time when uh, it would cost him his life and ended ended up did cost him his life. To me, that was courage. When I think about courage, I think about Corrie Ten Boom, who was born and raised in Holland. And after the Nazis invaded Holland and took it over, Corrie Ten Boom and her family would take Jewish people in and hide them from the Nazis who were searching house to house, door to door, for Jewish people so they could train them Taken by train to the concentration camps back in Germany. Corey Ten Boom. That's courage to me. When I think about courage, I think about the police and the firefighters and the citizens, those first responders who rushed into those uh, twin towers on September the 11th, uh, 2001 to save lives even though for many of them it came at a cost of their own lives. That, to me, is courage. When I think about courage, I think about those passengers on Flight United Flight 93 that crashed into a field in Pennsylvania. Those passengers who uh, stormed the cockpit... And while they were not able to save their lives and the lives of the other people on the plane, they did cause the plane to have to abort its main mission, which was, which was to come around and to uh, crash into some buildings in Washington. That's courage to me. What do you think about when you think about courage? Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee... Though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You see, that verse tells us that there is a a strong correlation between spirituality and courage. Between true righteousness on one hand and courage on the other hand. The late pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Tennessee, Adrian Rogers told about a man who bragged that he had cut the tail off of a man-eating lion. And when someone asked him why he didn't cut off the lion's head, the man replied, somebody had already done that. That's not courage. Cutting the tail off of a dead lion is not courage. What do you think about when you think about courage? Nelson Mandela, who's been in the news for his uh, ailing health in his old age, the great hero of freedom in South Africa, he said this. He says, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. J.K. Rowling author of the Harry Potter stories in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, I know, I'm not supposed to quote these books in Baptist churches. Sorry. I love what she says here. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but just as much bravery to stand up to our friends. Winston Churchill Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. Or Atticus Finch. Do you remember Atticus Finch? He's the fictional lawyer in Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. He was the lawyer who in the southern town represented a a black man who was accused of a crime. And here's what Atticus Finch said to a little boy who asked him why he did what he did. He said, I wanted you to see what real courage is. Instead of getting the idea that courage is a man with a gun in his hand, it's when you know you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway and see it through no matter what. That's courage. The Presbyterian theologian William G.T. Shedd said this. He says, a ship is safe in harbor... But that's not what ships are for. It takes courage to let loose of your anchor and head out to sea, whether you're a ship or you're a person or you are a church. George R. R. Martin wrote a, uh, an epic novel called A Game of Thrones. In that novel there was a young boy named Bran who was talking to his father, and he said this. He He says, can a man still be brave if he's afraid? Well, that is the only time a man can be brave, his father told him. Courage. Peter and John were recognized for their courage. Even their enemies saw that they were courageous. When they saw the courage of Peter and John. You know, courage is in short supply. We we hail it as something uh, admirable, but it's really in short supply. A few years ago, uh, Charles Swindoll uh, noted in one of his books about a survey that was conducted by a university where ten students were placed in a room. Ten students were placed in a room. Three lines were of varying length were drawn on a board. Now picture that. There's a a marker board and three straight lines are drawn on the board and they are of different lengths. Do you picture it? Can you see it? The students were told to raise their hands when the instructor pointed to the longest line on the board. But nine of the ten students had been instructed to raise their hands when the instructor pointed to the second longest line instead of the longest line. That left one student not knowing what was going on, and so when the instructor pointed to the second longest line... Nine of the ten raised their hand. When they went to the longest line, only one person raised his hand. But then when he saw that nobody else was going to raise his hand, he immediately pulled it down. This happened 75% of the time in this survey. 75% of the time, people would rather be accepted than be right. It takes courage to go against the grain when what you know that you know that you know is right. Did you hear about uh, David, the two-year-old with leukemia? was taken by his mother, Deborah, to Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston to see Dr. John Truman, who specializes in treating children with cancer and various blood diseases. Dr. Truman's prognosis was that David had a 50-50 chance of survival. They had countless clinic visits, the blood tests, the drugs, the fear and the pain, the mother's ordeal, almost as bad as David's ordeal. When he was three, when David was three, David had to have a spinal tap, a painful procedure, if you've ever had it, at any age. Very painful. It was explained to him that because he was sick, Dr. Truman had to do something to make him feel better. And he said, he was told by his mother, he said, David, if it hurts, if it hurts you, it's because Dr. Truman loves you and is trying to help you feel better. And the procedure was horrendous. It took three nurses to hold David still all the time. He was yelling, sobbing, struggling, wrestling. And when it was almost over, this tiny boy, soaked in sweat and tears, looked up at Dr. Truman and he said, Dr. Truman, thank you for my hurting." Do you know courage when you see it? Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, what was it that enabled Peter and John to be so courageous in the face of opposition? And keep in mind, this was opposition from religious people. The religious people of his day were the ones that caused the greatest opposition. In this this passage of Scripture, we're told three different reasons why Peter and John were able to be so courageous. First of all, they were courageous because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called account to account today for an act of kindness, shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Peter was able to stand up and be courageous because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. God's people need the anointing, the touch, and the filling of God's Holy Spirit if we want to be the people of courage that God calls us to be. Not only were they empowered by the Holy Spirit, but they were courageous because they were familiar with the Scriptures. Verse 11. Jesus is, and then Peter quotes... The stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. That is a quote from Psalm 118, verse 22, where the psalmist, in a what's called a messianic prophecy, that means a prediction beforehand that had to do with the coming of the Messiah, who was Jesus. A messianic prophecy that the stone you builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Peter, looking back, applied that to the uh, the circumstance of the Jewish people, including the religious leaders, rejecting Jesus in their day. They knew the scriptures. They were familiar with the scriptures. God's people, in order to be courageous, need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we need to be familiar with the Holy Scriptures. Now, be careful here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not talking about misquoting the Holy Scriptures. I'm not talking about picking and choosing scriptures that agree with you, but leaving into the, the, the Bible those that don't agree with your stance. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an objective, full view of familiarity with the scriptures. Peter and John were courageous because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, familiar with the Scriptures. And third, because they gave evidence of having been with Jesus. Again, my favorite part of this passage, verse 13, says that the religious leaders were astonished because they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let me ask you a question, and I'm asking myself this question too. When you're out and about, whether it's on the job, at school, at the restaurant, at the fitness center, at the ball field, wherever you go, let me ask you this. When people see you, are they able to take note that you have been with Jesus? It's indicting, isn't it, that question? Are people able to immediately recognize that you're a person who has been with Jesus? I bring up this message about courage within this series of doing church for a very important reason. Once a church is able to narrow in, focus in on that clear, specific purpose that they believe God has called them to accomplish. It takes courage to follow through with that purpose. You know why? Because there will always be those forces at work in every church who will be against what God is trying to accomplish. My dad is a country Baptist preacher. He's Pastored, I don't know, 11, 12 churches. And before I started pastoring, I was with him in seven or eight of them. And I will tell you that family who always causes problems in a church, they have relatives in every church I've ever been in. <laughs> the DNA is rampant. Let me tell you the one thing biblical that they do is be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. They have really done that, they're everywhere. It was the religious people who caused the problem for Peter and John. It takes courage to follow through with God's purpose for our church. And by the way, over the next few weeks and months, we're going to be narrowing in on our purpose, refining it. And once we do that, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to take courage on your part and mine to follow through with accomplishing that purpose. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, he said, whatever you do, you need courage. Whatever course you decide upon, there is always someone to tell you that you are wrong. There are always difficulties arising that tempt you to believe your critics are right. To map out a course of action and follow it to an end requires some of the same courage that a soldier in battle needs Peace may have its victories, but it takes brave men and women to win them. Courage. Courage is the example of Christ. Who is our greatest example of courage, is he not? What he did prior to being crucified, the mockings, the criticism, what he did voluntarily going to the cross in our place, is that not the epitome of courage? So when we talk about courage, we're talking about following the example of Christ. Do you know courage when you see it? Do you see it when you look in the mirror? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father... You have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and courage and fearlessness. In fact, the only thing we have to fear is a reverent fear of an almighty God who both loves us and requires that we love, but he's also a God of justice and discipline. Lord, I pray for our church. Lord, you are calling us to courage, courage in the face of popularity, courage in the face of a majority, courage in the face of what maybe everybody around us or seemingly everybody around us thinks is the way to go. But God, I pray that you'd help us to have courage, to stand up as Peter and John did in a way that when people see us, though they may never agree with us, they will take note. We've been with Jesus. I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that this week people, when they see us, will note that we've been with Jesus. Lord, I pray in this invitation for someone to come and receive Christ as their Savior, the most important decision that anybody can ever make. I pray for someone who needs to join this church family to come and join. I pray for people who are fearful and need to make a commitment to courage. To make that commitment visibly. I pray for people Lord who have decisions to make that go beyond the bounds of this message. God help us to have the courage this morning to make the decisions that really count. In Jesus name. Amen.